Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the friend of the pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. And welcome to Hysteria. I'm Aaron Ryan. This week, Michaela Watkins, Kieran Deal, and Dana Schwartz join me in studio to tackle being alone, whether that's alone with your thoughts, alone in another country, alone in your apartment, and how those moments can be good for you or bad. Alyssa Mastromonaco also joins to discuss boring liars versus interesting liars versus dangerous liars. And we finally get to that thing about Joe Biden not being able to apologize. And as always, our hills. Before we get started today, a little bit of housekeeping. If you would like to submit a hill that you'll die on, record a 30-second voice memo on your phone and send it to hysteria at crooked.com. Second item, merch is in the works, and I'm biased, but it's really great. I've been having meetings at the Crooked offices about the merch over the last couple weeks, and it's actually stuff I would wear, which is uh, high praise because I'm very picky about what I wear. Third thing, I'm trying a new thing where I give a shout out to a special group of listeners this week. I want to give a shout out to all the listeners who are listening with their kids. You guys are much cooler parents than most, but I do not take responsibility for any swearing your children may or may not learn. Hello. 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 How are you? Oh, how are you? I don't know. I'm, are you watching this um, Bill Barr stuff? Yeah. I mean, obviously, because I'm a big fucking nerd. I've been like counting down since this morning and like made sure to shower early so I didn't miss anything when I blew my hair dry. Wow. It's been so boring. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not watching, obviously, because I'm recording right now, but I was seeing things online that were like, yeah, he's, uh, he's lying again. (laughs) Yeah. He's just, he's just lying. He, and, but like, he's like a pretty, crafty liar. Do you know what I mean? He's not as like dim-witted as Trump is. Right. So you actually have to like stop and listen for a hot minute and be like, ah, that's, I think that's a lie. Right. He's a boring liar. The best kind of liars are boring liars. Donald Trump is an exciting liar. Like, so when he tells lies, there's hand gestures and loud voices and strange facial expressions. But when Bill Barr, I keep wanting to call him Billiam. I don't know why. That's not a human name, but he seems like he should be named Billiam to me. So when Billiam Barr lies, it's very boring and banal. And it is the sort of lie that can live forever or give somebody a long career in politics because people just kind of tune out and stop listening. Agreed. Well, I guess since we're talking about lying, I remember weeks or months ago, us talking about the abortion thing. And we've sort of oscillated back and forth about how big an issue it's going to be going into 2020. Because in 2018, it seemed like Republicans tried to make it a thing. And what really ended up mattering to voters was health care and a new energy and representation that looked a little bit more like the Democratic electorate. But they're trying it again, going into 2020. It seems like the new lie is that 
women are giving birth to babies and women and their doctors are getting together and deciding to kill the baby after it's born. This was a lie that was told at a rally on Saturday night in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where President Trump said, this is a verbatim quote from the president, not Ralph Wiggum of The Simpsons. <laughs> um, the baby, Although, you know, if you read it in a Ralph voice, it's a little bit less infuriating, but it reflects <laughs> a sort of ignorance similar to a cartoon idiot. Um, he says, the baby is born. The mother meets with the doctor. They take care of the baby. They wrap the baby beautifully. And then the doctor and the mother determine whether or not to execute the baby. And mm -hmm. Alyssa, you were watching this. How did it feel to watch this lie be told live? So everyone who listens to hysteria is going to think I do nothing but watch the news all day. But I was just very interested because the, the the rally happened after the shooting at the synagogue in San Diego, and I was just curious how he was going to address it. And so I started watching the rally, and he gets to this part. I mean, it was all just very, like, frenzied and angry and rabid. I think just, like, rabid is the best word. Mm -hmm. And then he gets to this part where he starts talking about abortion and like he pretends like he's holding the baby. And the scariest part is that, you know, he loves to talk about his crowd size. There were like 10 to 13,000 people in that arena that went fucking banana bat shit when he said it. They were like, yeah, yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, like fuck those women. And I just, uh, I found it terrifying. I found it terrifying because it's not something that people, they were just agreeing with. They were like so fucking into this idea that like that, that, the, that women have babies and then decide with their doctors whether to kill them. And it's like, there's such a different, like there are Democrats and there are Republicans. And then there are these like fucking crazy Trump people who clearly think nothing of the rest of humanity. Like that's mm -hmm. just, that was my takeaway and that they want to believe these terrible things. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when you watch the Oscars and a comedian makes a terrible joke and people are like, Ooh, ah, Ooh, that was terrible. Like I expected some sort of like reaction to his how extreme what he said was. And the reaction was the opposite of what I had kind of hoped for. Mm -hmm. I mean, Donald Trump does kind of seem like a stand-up comedian who doesn't have any jokes. He just goes right, up there exactly. and says insane shit and people cheer about it. And But there's a political reason that this is a lie that he's now bringing into his fucked up idiot stand-up routine, which is that there are bills around the country and specifically in Wisconsin uh, where there's a, the, a GOP bills that purport to save babies that were quote unquote born alive after abortions, which is not a thing that happens. Uh, first of all, most abortions that take place late in a pregnancy are due to really horrible medical conditions that affect the mother or the baby or both. And second of all, no doctor would follow the Hippocratic Oath and kill an alive human being who was born. That just, it, it's not a thing that would happen. So in the state of Wisconsin, where the rally took place, Trump criticized the Democratic governor. Hell yes, we have a Democratic governor now. Tony Evers saying that um, he shouldn't have vetoed a GOP bill that would have sent doctors to prison for life if they failed to give medical care to children born alive. So the bill uh, advances the false narrative that there's a lot of babies that are being born as a result of failed abortions, not true. And uh, protections are also already in place that would mandate that doctors provide care to living human beings, which is something that, that already exists. But this seems to be something that is red meat 
for the GOP base going into 2020. And people actually believe it. One thing I was thinking is we were texting about this and I was saying to you that I'm really tired of playing in the realm of non-reality. And I'm I'm wondering if this tactic is just designed to get us to get into an argument with this invisible thing that doesn't exist and distract us from talking about real issues. Do you think that's the case? I think that I think it's meant to distract us. I also think that he um, I think that he going into 2016, right into the election, what was his one mantra? It's like, we want the wall. Mexico's paying for the wall. It's also lock up Hillary Clinton. We're going to put Hillary Clinton in jail. And it's literally the only thing that he talked about for months. And so going into 2020, I think he needs something where he creates this enemy, right? You know, like when he did that, it was the Mexicans, the people at the South border, like immigrants. And now it's just all, all women all women, right? Because I'm sorry. Does he know that there's a lot of us? Does he know that? (laughs) That I think he just thinks he doesn't need all of us. Like he's like, he doesn't, he doesn't care. He doesn't care because he just needs something that gets those people in the arena as frothing at the mouth as they possibly can. And so I personally think that over the next couple of months, he's going to try a couple of these out. You know, Mm -hmm. he's been sprinkling the abortion rage, you know, in and around, see how it works for him. Right. Yeah. And so he's going to have a couple other things between now and then to see which one really, you know, creates hatred and uh, aggression and, you know, towards women or other people who might not vote for him. And, you know, then he'll figure out which one he's going to take for a spin. But I I feel like this one has some some staying power. (laughs) And, And it's so absurd. Like, here's the thing. You want to talk about situations when a woman a woman is giving birth and a person dies. In a lot of cases, it is the woman dying. America has a shameful maternal mortality rate, especially Mm -hmm. among women of color, especially among black women. And if Republicans really cared about women or babies, then they would be focusing on improving the quality of medical care available to low income women and available to black women. And they clearly don't care. This is such a bad faith argument. And I hate that I have to take the side of like, no, that doesn't happen because it's impossible to prove a negative. You know, you, you can have right. Donald Trump out there yelling about how, you know, where women are giving birth to babies and we're putting them in boxes and mailing them to our friends. And it's a new, you know, it's like and it's a new game that we're playing, the baby mailing game. And it's like, no, why do I have to argue about this? This isn't this never existed. You know, this is never a thing that happened. And I don't know why. I'm I'm so tired of playing in the realm of the non-reality. I want something real again. <laughs> no, I mean, girl, especially because this is just so, just so crazy. And like, I felt like we were making progress over the years. Like since we were in high school, let's say, I feel like we'd been making progress. Like this wasn't a huge issue anymore. And, you know, the thing that is concerning, and even though this is like a fake non-issue, it's becoming a real issue, is because like five years ago, that insane anti-abortion movie never would have been made and wouldn't have had a real audience, Mm -hmm. right? And now it's getting a screening in like the White House and playing at real theaters, like it's playing down the street from my house, 
Like, yeah. Never would I ever have thought that a movie like that would be in, you know, the theater in Red Hook, New York. Yeah. But here's a little silver lining, Alyssa. When I was in mm. middle school, I was in a church group with one of my friends. It wasn't my Catholic church group. It was because my Catholic church didn't have a youth group. I was in a friend's youth group and the friend's youth group was very evangelical Christian. And we spent a lot of time in youth group talking about abortion and how it was bad. And little 12-year-old Erin had a vote pro-life button that she put on her <laughs> backpack. And she, you know, I was a kid. I believed the things that I was being told. We watched a movie called The Silent Scream, and I believed that that was the worst thing in the world. And I remember being so upset about babies getting killed. And then I grew up and became capable of thinking and reading. And now here I am, queen abortion, yelling about abortion at parties and alienating all my possible friends. But I'm just saying, like, you know, we, we are seeing an up swell in anti-abortion messaging right now. I think because mm. it's sexy, it makes people want to open their, it's not sexy, but it, it makes people want to open their wallets and donate to the GOP. But I think that if we're seeing this movie coming out, a lot of those kids that are at the movie right now are going to grow up to know that what they saw was deliberately misleading and actually harmful to women. So that's my hopeful take on all of this. All right. That's a good, that's a silver lining. Yeah. my It's funny. I wanted to put my button. My parents had this like bulletin board of buttons from different political campaigns. And my parents are staunch Democrats. So we had Jesse Jackson, 88, and we had a Geraldine Ferraro related stuff and, and and Clinton Gore 92 and all that stuff. And I wanted to put my vote pro-life button up there. And my mom was like, why don't you keep that in your room? <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, they never told me that I was wrong. I think they just waited for me to like complete the story and realize what was <laughs> going. Oh, thanks, mom and dad. Once again, your wisdom was something I didn't realize until years later. Really quick before we have to go. Yeah. I feel like we have to talk about Joe Biden now. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, we've been putting it off a little bit just because up until this past week, it was speculation whether or not he was actually going to run. And it seemed whenever I read something about Joe Biden, it was just bored political columnists who wanted to give themselves something to do because they were tired of writing about Bernie Sanders. Um, but I want to talk about Joe Biden and Anita Hill specifically. And uh, just for background, if you're not all familiar, Joe Biden announced his presidential run last Thursday and what immediately came up was the way that he treated Anita Hill during Clarence Thomas's 1991 Supreme Court confirmation hearings. If you want to make yourself angry today, um, go ahead and go to YouTube and, and watch some clips of that. It's horrifying to watch. And Anita Hill was just the picture of calm and she didn't even want to really testify. It was just this media circus. And Joe Biden was a dick. And... Mm -hmm. He was a he was a real, real dick. And he has kind of stumbled around um, apologizing for it. Um, in 1992, he said that he couldn't really do anything. In 2017, he got questioned about it again. And he said he was so sorry if she believes that she was mistreated and so sorry that she had to go through what she went through again, not really taking responsibility. Again, in 2017, Biden said, as much as I tried to intervene, I did not have the power to gavel them out of order. And earlier this year, he got asked about it again. She faced a committee that didn't fully understand what the hell this was all about. To this day, I regret I couldn't give her the kind of hearing she deserved. I wish I could have done something. And then in mm -hmm. April, on the first day of his campaign, he said that he had called Anita Hill and said that he regretted for what she endured. 
And then he was on The View. And then he said, I'm sorry for the way she got treated. And then um, on the 29th, he said, um, I believed her from the very beginning, but I was chairman. She did not get a fair hearing. Did she not? She did not get treated well. That's my responsibility. As the committee chairman, I take responsibility that she did not get treated well. I take responsibility for that. Alyssa, what do you make of all this? Okay, first of all, I just want to be clear that if I ever gave that response in <laughs> to a question about apologizing, my mom would smack me. She would have smacked me. She would have been like, that is so, you just go to your room until you can say it with feeling. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's the like, and, and you know, I, of course, just going to say now, I, I watched the whole View interview and Joy Behar, they were like, praying. They were, they were so hoping he would just get there and say, I'm so sorry for how I treated Anita Hill. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he just won't say it. And if you look at things that the campaign has said, you know, they're like, we're not answering anymore beyond what we've said, which is that he feels badly and apologizes for how she was treated. Well, I think that in today's day and age, if we've looked at anything or learned anything of what's happened in the past few years, is that like, take responsibility. You know, mm -hmm. even if it was 30 years ago, just be like, you know what? Even if you didn't know better, even if it's how everybody treated everybody back then, you want to be president today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so today you should say, I'm sorry. And clearly Anita Hill had been waiting for this. It was no secret that she had been looking for an apology for like 20 years. Mm -hmm. The fact, I'm sure you read this, that there was a joke in her family that when the phone would ring or the doorbell would ring, they'd be like, oh, is that Joe Biden? <laughs> and, and, you know, the fact that it was known, it's just, it's such an easy thing to make right now. I mean, like, it'll never be made right. Like she endured a, like a, a national tragedy, mm -hmm. but like, it would just be so easy. And so it made me sad and disappointed that he didn't just do the right thing. Right. And if he would have done the right thing earlier, then this wouldn't have been dragged out for as long as it has been. And here's another right. here's another thought that I have when it comes to that. Anita Hill said, uh, she told the New York Times that the phone call that we referenced, that he referenced earlier this month on the first day of his presidential campaign, said the phone call wasn't really enough. She really wants accountability, which mm -hmm. is a fair thing to bring up. Another thing I was thinking about is, you know, Anita Hill was and continues to be a successful black woman in a world that sort of uh, doesn't really take black women as seriously as it should. And mm -hmm. black women are also the most reliable part of the Democratic base. And to have a person running for president who doesn't understand what that visually meant to a huge portion of the Democratic base, what the Anita Hill hearings meant, is a, uh, I just, I don't know if he's, I, I mean, this is something we usually say for younger candidates, but I don't know if Joe is ready for prime time in 2019. I mean, it's a, it's a concern. It is you know? a concern. And, then, and the other thing then too, is that you see that he's like surging in the polls. Granted, it's, you know, a year before Iowa, mm -hmm. but it's still like, you know, you don't want people to learn the wrong lessons. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think 2018 was an additional lesson for people who want to think about democratic politics, which is that when women run, women win, first of all, and that our elected officials are starting to look more like the people who vote for Democrats. And we need to take those people into consideration when we make party-wide decisions and when we vote for a presidential candidate. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Correct. All right. Well, I'm glad that we got through this Joe Biden conversation. I'm sure it's not going to be the last one that we have about him. Uh, but Alyssa, thank you so much as always for calling in. And I look forward to talking to you again next week. Bye, gang. Bye. We have to take a break, but when we come back, more hysteria. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I, I just like, I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, <laughs> not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have to. I refuse to be uncomfortable I if I want to be productive. I refuse <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on oh. a, like a couch nap. You know, you have like a, oh yeah. you've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just like lay down for 20 minutes. It's yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch okay. napping. 
joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put yeah, a, a totally. blazer and like denim shirt, denim, denim shirt, oh, blazer, yeah. leggings. So easy. 100%. And of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit, falling just above the knee, while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. It's perfect. He is like, I think my, my dad is one of those people that just like beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're. They look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now. And I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a, on a short weekend trip. And they still looked great. It was like, Dad, your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com. And this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidates committee. Welcome back. We're going to have an ironic conversation today in personal political. We're all going to gather together and talk about being alone. But before I start with a little anecdote, I wanted to introduce the women who are joining me today. First, she is an author, Dana Schwartz. What is your favorite song about being alone? I feel like the one that I go to most often is Dancing on My Own. By Robin. Oh, yeah. That's a happy one. It's not, though. It's one of those, like, Trojan horse ones, like, hey, yeah, where it's a happy melody, but a really sad song underneath it. Mm -hmm. So I like that idea of, like, being at a party and, and um, uh, you know, and, and like, you're putting on a happy face, but but deep down there's something there's something there. One of my favorite things to happen with that song is once I was listening to it as I was looking at a gif of an otter washing something on its stomach, Aww. and it really changed <laughs> the meaning of the song. I was like, I, yeah, yeah, I like this. Yeah, uh, that's maybe how the song, the artistic intention should have been. Right. That it's a song about an otter washing something on its stomach. Right, right. You just have to kind of change your perspective, and it changes the whole meaning of the song. Next up, I have comedian and filmmaker Kieran Deal. Kieran, what's your favorite Alone song? Um I'd like to listen to a sad version, like a melancholy version of Girls Just Want to Have Fun, <laughs> like in a minor key. Wait, th does this exist? 
In my mind, it oh, does, okay. Aaron. That's, okay. You need to record that. Thank you so much. Thank <laughs> you. I can't sing, but you know, it'll be That's bad. That's the very sad version. <laughs> that gonna, is the very sad version. You can like, rap it. Mm-hmm. You could do a, a minor a spoken key. word. A sp- minor key spoken <laughs> word. Minor key spoken oh, word. Oh, my God. That's actually genius. Yeah. I love it. All right. Great ideas already. Um, third up, we have comedian and actor Michaela Watkins. Michaela. Hello. Hi. I've already started pa- oh. you know, piping in before okay. I even. That's fine. <laughs> Pipe away. Pipe away. What's your favorite alone song? Um, I there are so many, but I the one that jumped out uh to me is the uh People Who Died by Jim Carroll Band. I don't know. Do you know that song? It's like these are the people who died, died. They're all my friends. Is this they also died. a minor key spoken word song? It kinda is, but he just like lists every friend and how they died. Oh and wow. it's um KCRW yeah. play it a lot, you know. These are the people who died, died. <laughs> They're all my friends. They died. That's the, that's the chorus. Everybody sing wow. along. Um, it's really a fun punk rock song, though. It does sound fun. I was listening to... They all died in punk rock ways. I mean, yeah. of course. Yeah. You just didn't include the friends that died in, like, boring ways. Heroin, yeah. oh. motorcycle crashes. Congestive heart failure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, my favorite Alone song is Alone by Heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wilson sisters really mm-hmm. can sing. Also... I love that a lot of heart songs have a sort of they have a persona around them. Like the singers are always like lonely and a little threatening at the same time. It's it's a it's a fun vibe. Um, I wanted to start our episode on solitude or being alone with an anecdote. I'm I think of myself as being a person who's really good at being alone because I have lived most of my adult life with the goal of living by myself. And I achieved it a few years back and it's been wonderful. I currently live alone. Um, I like traveling by myself. I've done it a few times, but I don't really like truly being alone. And I learned that this Valentine's Day, my boyfriend got us both uh, half hour sessions, I think it was, or hour long sessions in a sensory deprivation tank. Mm. <laughs> nothing nothing says partnership like solo <laughs> sessions in the, in the sensory deprivation he tank. He really gets you. Uh, yeah, well, he was like, maybe you should, he, to, to his credit, there have been things that I have dismissed outright initially that I've later tried and come to enjoy. So this, he thought. Kombucha. Maybe, Where's your kombucha? And it's a very like cool, trendy thing. It's like, yeah. ooh, it's not just chocolates and flowers. I got you a sensory deprivation tank right. experience. Right, you're creative, and maybe it'll unlock some creativity. Yeah. Uh, friends, I did not like it. You just go into a room, and there's water, and it's salt water, mm-hmm. and you you're in a bathing suit, or you can go naked, okay. whatever. But I wore a bathing suit because I'm midwestern why would i be naked um and you just sit in there and you float and you're supposed to close your eyes and or it doesn't matter because it's super dark and there's sounds and you just kind of like bop along the top of it and i lasted 20 minutes how high is the water just so it's i can just picture a this few, it's not that deep but it, it sounds great it's enough to support your body it's salty mm. enough that you float without any effort ah. so you're just sort of suspended it's your own dead sea basically mm-hmm. yeah but it's completely dark and you can have it silent or you can have noises and i couldn't i couldn't do it which I had one to, did you do i did i did with um singing bowls at first oh how beautiful mm. see you should try it. i really should, you should you're like already there <laughs> you should try but Michaela has transported herself <laughs> i got out and i was like i can't do this and i and i figured i would just kind of sit on the bench in the changing room for the last 25 minutes or whatever and then i went back in and i tried it again mm-hmm. and i turned the lights on and it was fine with the lights on but i couldn't do the 
total aloneness thing. I could I couldn't do it. It was just misery. Was it that your mind was racy or that you felt genuinely lonely? I was just like, I should be doing other stuff right now. Uh, like boredom. I, yeah, I should be. I you know what? There's this piece in the Maybe New Yorker. Stillness. That's not for you. Maybe I don't know. But it was it was total solitude, total stillness, and. I, it made me think about what it means to be alone. What does it mean to to not have anything with you? Does it mean that you don't have the TV on? Does it does it mean that you don't have anybody in the room with you? Does it mean you're just not around anybody that you know or want to talk to? So I wanted to open with Kieran. Kieran, to you, what does solitude or aloneness mean? And is it something that you found valuable to you? Yes, solitude and loneliness are different. Aloneness, not loneliness. Not, not, aloneness is more neutral. Loneliness is is bad. Aloneness is just the, the state of being alone. Yeah. Is, I mean, so I think it can. I think that you can be alone in a group of people. You can be alone when you're by yourself at your house. Like, like, like being alone. I actually think is kind of. I mean, obviously, it's a physical state, but can also be a state of mind because you can. Like I've been in. You know, um, like you can be sitting with your family and feel very alone. So you are not connecting with any of us right now. Yeah, you're that's just. Correct. Like, <laughs> I feel very alone as I say this. Um, in this room, as everyone stares. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> like, but it's a matter of of. Um, I do think everyone needs like social interaction and social connection. Like we all need that in some way, shape or form. But like, why is it that like somebody goes on a 10 day silent meditation retreat or somebody goes to like a temple or like a Buddhist temple and all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's like that's a retreat. That's that's solitude. And then in a different context, it's like, oh, I'm alone. I think I think part of how you spend your time when you're by yourself is can you connect to yourself? Mm -hmm. Do you have a good relationship with yourself? Mm -hmm. can, uh, do you have fun with yourself? Like Melissa Villasenor is a SNL stand up comedian who's hilarious. She's always talking about how she loves being by herself. She does voices when she's alone. She mm -hmm. is like seven people. She's like, I like my company. I like sewing. I like, you know what I mean? Like she mm -hmm. just really enjoys being by herself because she enjoys her own company. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think that's a that's a really interesting point to bring up is is that there's a femaleness and there's like male alone and female alone. Male alone is like Henry David Thoreau going out into the woods and he is a, a seminal figure in American literature and female alone leads to spinsters. And, you know, there, there's like a different um, there's a different interpretation of being alone as a woman versus being alone as a man. Mm -hmm. And uh, Michaela, I just was wondering what you think of when you see a woman or you hear of a woman who has spent her life by herself. I, um, a couple of things. Uh, when I was a waitress, like it was the men, the older men who came in and ate dinner by themselves that would make me silently weep. You know, I would just like cry. I would be so sad. But for some reason, the women who came in, the older women who came in and had a meal, I was like, what are you want another drink, sweetie? Like, I just felt like they were like, oh, I'm by myself. Like, I feel like their husbands drop dead and they're like, I go dancing. I, have, <laughs> I do all the things that Carl never liked. <laughs> and, and so I have good feelings about um, you know, my mom, when my parents divorced, like my mom was in her forties and I don't even think she dated after that. I think she was so like dunzos mm -hmm. that in, in not a great way, I'm not suggesting that she doesn't have her issues. I just mean that I've watched her really just, you know, she just didn't want somebody farting in her bed anymore. And she was like, I'm 
so much happier by myself than with somebody who's, you know, raining on my parade. Mm-hmm. So I I have I, I have like sort of healthy good feelings about seeing older women alone, but I understand that societally it's really sort of balked at and made fun of as cat ladies. And I went through a stage in my 30s where um, I I hit the skids of like the loneliest I've ever been in my whole life. And it was sort of this ongoing three-year cycle of finding myself in bad relationships and in and out of them because of my Mm. utter, utter fear of being alone and imagining that my life was going to be a lonely existence in my 40s and 50s and 60s and so on. And so... I had to actually, I, I put myself into, uh, you know, out, I put myself on outward bound for 30 and over mm-hmm. and I, where you do a solo where you're by yourself and it was the hardest. Is that a trek? Yeah, it's a trek and mine was in Yosemite and, you know, we went in the woods and for 24 hours you don't, you know, eat or talk to, you know, nobody, you don't see another soul. And that was the hardest thing in the world for me. But once I got through it, I actually was like re reborn. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I knew that my rock bottom of alone was actually pretty awesome. I wrote, I sang, I danced, you know, I found, I found ways to entertain myself. And I was like, me alone is not the worst thing in the world. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I sort of that's Got really, you brought up a couple of things that I want to go back to, but the first thing was about uh, female aloneness versus male alone, male aloneness and how you didn't feel bad for older women who were alone. Mm-hmm. There's a part of me that thinks that the negative spin on being a woman who's alone is society trying to keep women from learning how awesome being alone is. Mm-hmm. Because if we learn, if we all knew the secret of how awesome it is to be alone, we would stop taking care of everybody else. And then what would everybody else do? <laughs> um, they would have to learn how to iron their own pants. You mm-hmm. know, they would they would have to uh, make their own appointments. What up. happens if we don't need yeah. Yeah. What happens if we decide that it's actually awesome to not be needed, to be free of being mm-hmm. needed in a way? Mm-hmm. Um, Dana, do you like being alone? You know, it's so interesting because I love being by myself. Like I, I travel alone all the time because I'm just a control freak. Like I want to do things the way I do them. I love I went uh, for my second book. I, I went to France for a month and I don't speak a word of French. And I went to like a small town where like it wasn't like Paris, like people didn't really speak English. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of got along with like mime. Um, <laughs> and I loved it. Like, France is the home of mime. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. They were all amazing at mime. It was great. Uh, and I loved it. Like I just I loved like walking around and just like not speaking to another human soul for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, the, the sensory deprivation tank that you brought up, I'm horrible at being like alone with my thoughts and no like external stimulation. Like mm-hmm. I am, I need like, I'm addicted to Twitter, like that constant like fuel and I, my phone and I like background noise and I, I always turn on the radio and I drive. Like I'm terrible at, at silence and solitude uh, in a way that I think is frankly unhealthy and eventually I'm going to need to address. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I also, I do, I like being in a relationship. Like I, I hope it's not an unhealthy impulse, but I do genuinely prefer just like having a, a, a bait, a person to touch base with. So even though I'm like, if I'm traveling alone, like, great, I don't need to be with you physically, but I like mentally being like, oh, well, that's the person I touch base with mm-hmm. who 
if I died, would notify my family. Right. You need somebody to run your Twitter drafts by. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Karen, same question. Have you ever like traveled alone? Did you like it? Did you find that it was valuable for you? Yeah, I've traveled alone. I went to Nepal alone, um, India, Thailand, a lot of places. I've been, yeah, I've been to a lot of places alone. I'm, I'm fine. Traveling alone is fine. You'll always meet people. I think um, you're kind of forced to meet people, and it's simulating. Like you're constantly doing things. Yeah, I, I mean, traveling alone to me is not like I don't think of that as being alone. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're stimulated by a totally new environment. You're in a novel place. It's like when you go somewhere, you're like, oh, look, the trees. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm like when I go somewhere. I'm like, oh yeah, plants. Oh yeah, look, people dress a you're little. All the moms. Swedish kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. I'm an like, active senior. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I am literally an active senior. That was, I thought it was interesting what you said about, um, Michaela, about old, like old women, because mm-hmm. I know that like, I'm not, I, and I've heard a few people say this, I'm not worried about my mom, mm-hmm. but I'm worried about my dad mm-hmm. when they retire or when they lose their job or their purpose. Do you know what I mean? Like, or like, what are you going to do with your time? How do you spend your time? Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like so many of the, like, Mom will go to Zumba class or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, whatever she's like, will fill her time with like cooking and has a bunch of hobbies and things that she can do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I find myself wondering about like, I like I do like being alone, but I can feel lonely if I haven't gotten any human contact. Mm-hmm. Like I need some human contact during during a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, can, I can almost like outline the time of the exact pinpoint, the exact moment when I was sort of single and on that, you know tear where I would do fine all day long. I would go do a live show, be with friends, laugh, 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 audience, you know, ha, 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 ha. So much love, so much community, so much communal, like giving and taking. And then it was always the same thing, which was that ride home after a show or after the bar. And it was always that thing where it was just like my my heart would drop through my stomach and out my ass and out the like carburetor. <laughs> like it would just, I would leave it on the road on my way home. And it wasn't until, you know, I turned the key and luckily there was a pulse in my house. I had two cats at the, at the time in my apartment. But luckily it you know, once I got into bed and had my books and my things, then I was the ha- ha- like a pig in shit. <laughs> but, but that moment, the car ride home, knowing I was coming home to my empty apartment was so awful. Like mm-hmm. I just hated that. that. I mean, that's really interesting. And it, and it kind of ties in a big, important social trend is that more people live alone in the U.S. than have ever lived alone before. In 1950, only 9% of all households were one person. And that's only 4 million people. Now it's nearly 30% of households. I think also, right, that has to do with probably because in 1950, you like marry your high school sweetheart when you're 18. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like you don't have that young adulthood that now everyone has. Right. But we're kind of entering into a new model of living because when in human history have people lived alone in these numbers? And it's something that I, I think about a lot when we talk about... because we no longer have dowries. I know. No, no more goats for us. That's too bad. And we have the internet. <laughs> I don't like meals alone. That's the thing. I don't like, I don't like eating meals alone. I don't like eating dinner alone. Mm. I, I prefer... I think it's because I see dinner as like a very social meal. Mm. So it's like I prefer to like... I'd prefer to... That's like a... Like eating and sharing food... Like sharing food is a point of connection. So it's like I know that that's the thing. I don't, I don't love eating alone. 
I mean, I've gone, I've gone to eat by myself and I think of it as eating alone, but really I'm not eating alone because I'm reading something or I'm on my phone. I always have some sort of distraction in front of me or I'm like texting this someone. This is why you cannot do a deprivation take. I know. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. I did do it. Maybe a, if you could bring your phone in there. You would. Yeah, I know. That would exactly. be great. Just floating. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I guess. But your phone would get wet. But I was, um, I went to Nepal by myself a few years ago. It was the first time in my life that I could afford to take a trip like that. And I thought I might as well. And uh, I was like hiking through the Himalayas. Uh, I was in hiking groups, but they weren't people that I knew. And when I was on the Annapurna Trail, I was just with like a local guide and a local porter. And what happened when I was alone was I'm sure something similar to what happened to you, Michaela, which is that your brain has its like greatest hits that it goes through. And then once it's played all the greatest hits, then it starts like poking around in the closets of your brain and being like dragging out this old thing you haven't looked at since you were 18 and how it made you feel bad. And I just went, I like did a spring cleaning on my brain when I was there and it's, it wasn't necessarily pleasant the Mm -hmm. entire time, like pulling every individual bad thing out and taking a look at it and being like, do I need to throw this away or can I use this? It was really emotionally tough. And then also I was very, it was really physically tough. And I remember feeling like very, like I took a, I kept a diary and it might've been the altitude. It might've been, I was so tired. It might've been that I was alone and thinking, but I go back and read what I wrote and it is extremely emo. It is like, I don't know if I can wake up at five tomorrow to like Passed through Thorong La. It was just, it was really, really emotional. Uh, Dana, did you find when you were in France that you got emotional or it was because you were working on the book, did that make it less so? I was working. Also, I had like internet and podcast. Like I was not ever like alone in isolation like you were. Like mm-hmm. I would sit in cafes and like have fun trying to communicate with the waiter. And then I would be reading and working on my book and trying to learn French. Like I was constantly busy. Like I, even though I was alone, I didn't have that like stillness of like, I'm Cheryl Strait and wild and I have to now think about my mother. Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't ever I, it, think about your mother. Yeah. <laughs> not, not one time. Yeah. She's dead to me. Uh, I deleted her number. Yeah. When I came back, she texted, welcome back to the U.S., Dana. I love you very much. I and I like, said, who new, is this? Yeah, new phone. Who yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was not like a trip of introspection. It was a trip of like work and fun. Like I haven't had that because I'm, I think, scared. Like I'm so bad at stillness. Mm-hmm. And even like it's interesting that, Michaela, you brought up like that your depression or like the, the sadness happened when you were driving home. For me, that always happens to me in a in a bigger cycle. Whenever I complete like a big work project or something that I was going for, mm-hmm. that's when I when I dip. Whenever I get the thing that I want, because then I don't I don't my my brain doesn't know what to do. Like I'm always strategizing and and planning of how to get the next thing I want. And then when I finish it, I'm like, well, now what? That's mm-hmm. a, that's pretty normal. Like yeah. people have that. Like there's a thing, there's a term for that that I don't remember. But it's like when you get the blues kind of after you finish something because it's a creative adrenaline. endeavor. Yeah, yeah. creative or even like or even like a work project oh, yeah. or like what whatever you winning do. a prize, winning. Yeah, like getting to whatever the goal is. Like mm-hmm. people do have yeah. dips at the end of a thing because you're. It's like postpartum. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Well, no, if you're alone during that that moment, it it kind of complicates things. Um, My first meeting in LA, I sold a show. And after I sold it, I got in a lift to go back to the Airbnb where I was staying. And 
I felt like I was going to cry. I was just, I I'd, I'd had this like meeting and it was so great. And then I get in the car and I went back to the Airbnb. I was staying by myself and I walked to the In-N-Out Burger on Sunset and I bought two, I was a vegetarian at the time. I bought two big cheeseburgers <laughs> and I walked back to the, cause I didn't know what else to do. I was well, like, you I just made a kill. You yeah. I, I walked back to the Airbnb and I sat on the floor of the bedroom and I ate both cheeseburgers on the floor <laughs> Of the bedroom because I just like didn't know what to do with I want my a calendar of it's that. Like everyone at the when you get the thing you want, everyone then becomes like you're in a, a play. Like it's always the last scene of like some tragedy play where it's like I got what I want, but at what cost? <laughs> <laughs> but there's like the celebrate like is a celebration real if you don't have people to share it with? Uh-huh. Is that that's the question? Because it's like I like I remember when. Um, when Woman Rebel got shortlisted for an Oscar and it was like, I was driving home and my friend was like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm just going to go home. He's like, no, we're going to go out to dinner. Like, like, come on, I've like, get a couple people together. And we did. And that's what made it special. Like, that's what made the night really special was Mm -hmm. like the fact that you got to sit around and like share a win with other people. Yeah, Those In-N-Out burgers were pretty special. They gave me a stomach ache because I had not been eating meat for a long time. Yeah, Yeah. it was a special, special kind of stomach ache. When I woke up in the middle of the night, I was like, well, you did it, Aaron. You really did. (laughs) But what you're saying is so, I think, correct. And like, for me, I'm someone who I'm very comfortable, like, being in my blanket uh, burrito and, like, being on my laptop and with my cat. But the, I'm happiest when I force myself to, like, be with friends and, like, have those, share those moments. Like, mm-hmm. even when I'm, when my instinct is to be like, no, just be be home with your laptop. Like, when you force yourself to, to go out of that comfort zone a little bit, like, those are the memories. Those are how you reinforce, like, happy feelings. Yeah. You know what you made me think of, Dana, before when you were Is like... Is it sad? No, no, no. Not at all. It's happy, actually. Um, when you said, uh, I, wanted, I, I like to be in relationships, I like to be with people, is that okay to say? Um, can I just tell you a quick ane- anecdote? Of course, but, please. I was in my in my um, this shitty time in my life and uh, coming out of it. I was after post hour bound and everything, and I was heavy in therapy. I was like going once a week to this awesome woman who was doing EMDR and the whole business and um, and worked through like a ton of grief and all this nonsense. So um, she, I said to her one day, I'm like, I'm just so fucking tired of working on myself. Like I'm so tired of. Be, you know, getting over all my sorrows and griefs to like become what? Like a person who can be with somebody like I just want to be. I like being in relationships. I'm great in relationships. I thrive in relationships. I'm I I should be in like that's my happy place. I want to be in relationship. Why do I have to like become when when am I ready for a relationship? And she goes, you know, whenever you want. And I, she said there is a version of working on yourself while you're in a relationship. And so I said to her. Okay, well, what do I do? And she said, ask. And I said, and then what? I said, ask who? And she said, I love this therapist. She goes, the universe. And I said, and then what? And she said, wait. And I said, and how? Bitch, please. (laughs) I said, how long? And she said, Two weeks. <laughs> oh, that's dope. That's the best so therapy dope. answer. That's I love dope. it. That's dope. Two weeks. I mean, because that's so great. <laughs> and Did it was it right? Was she correct? Aaron, that is such a funny question because I think what I realized was if you're gonna ask and you're gonna have two weeks before this thing happens, that you better make a genuine ask. Like you really better want to be in a relationship. I mean, not everybody wants to be in a freaking relationship. So 
So if you're gonna if you're gonna ask, you better really want it. And so I waited, and then I was feeling really awesome, and I decided I was going to be a slut because I forgot to do that. <laughs> I was always in relationships, <laughs> and so I made the ask, like I want to be, I want to be out, I want to be with people. Two weeks later, I met my husband. Wow. No, that's yeah. such a good story. And I was mad about it because I was supposed to be a slut, not spend the rest of my life with that dude. <laughs> right. But yeah, and that's she true. told you. So she's not a therapist; she's a psychic. <laughs> <laughs> you saw a psychic, yeah, and then. I did. And then she you go really back. Good. You saw a magician. You, you go, saw a witch. I did. I saw a witch. I was like, you go back to the therapy building and it's like, this building's been abandoned for <laughs> yeah. 50 years. Well, Cheryl Porcini hasn't been here for 40 years. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. she died a long time. <laughs> on a she ship. She died in 1979. On a <laughs> yeah. We're on Barrington. Why do is she on a ship? Can we talk also about like, I think being, there's something like, not morally, but I do think there's like a moral righteousness to people who are like, I'm good at being alone. Like we as- associate that with like they're being, they're be- feeling like complete people. Genuinely in my head, I'm like the platonic ideal of like the person I want to be when I'm old is like a 75 year old lady who wears only caftans mm-hmm. and lives in like a brownstone and has a, a dog <laughs> named Georgette and is just like, like alone and and like eccentric and and like that is my platonic ideal of what like, an older woman is. Which yeah, is I mean, just like, like a, Georgia oh, O'Keefe, kind of. Yeah. She just decided she'd had enough of New York and was like, you know what? I like New Mexico. How do you use your time by yourself to develop your own, like, um, independence, independence mm-hmm. of thought? And yeah. yeah. And, and that brings up a really important point is about who gets to be alone, who gets to experience uh developing themselves, who isn't always looked to as a caretaker, as somebody who needs to give their lives to others. Like, I think that men, for the most part, have more of a luxury of being alone. If you read, um, I sent around um, uh, an article called Going It Alone, which was Mm -hmm. written by Rahawa Haley, who is uh, an African-American woman who hiked the Appalachian Trail by herself. And she talks about how Um, The outside, the outdoors has been a place that white people expect to see other white people in and Mm. black people, you know, she she had people talking to her about being a non-white person hiking the trail like it was it was rare for her. So I think who gets to be alone and actually, Kieran, like you were saying take the time to develop themselves as leaders and as individual artists. And I was just wondering what you saw. Do you think whiteness like gives people more uh, entitlement toward aloneness and that sort of social mobility, yeah. social mobility and, and being connected to because I thought about that when you mm-hmm. were like, I did Outward Bound or I went to Nepal alone. That's also financial. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you have to be in a position where like you can afford to do that. Yeah. Um, you can take time off work. You can take, like, I could take time off and do it. You could take time off and just mm-hmm. do that. Like mm-hmm. the first time in my life that I did that was when I like was ayahuasca mm-hmm. just like a year ago. And like my friend like subsidized it for me. Do you know what I mean? Like right. he like he like he was like, this is something I, this is an experience I really want you to have. I really want you to go. And he like helped to like bankroll it so you could go. And I remember thinking this is and Dave Chappelle has this joke. It's one of my favorite. It's not even a joke, but he just says it in the middle of his special. He goes, I did a thing uh, that most black men in this country never get a chance to do. Uh, I thought about my feelings mm-hmm. and it's just in it's just in this in the middle of. And I was like, that's so that says 
just just the what is the privilege of of being able to take the time out for yourself to think about mm. to think about how you feel or why you feel a certain way or why are you angry mm-hmm. you know it's, it's very like maslow's hierarchy right where sure. the only way that you have time to think about yourself and your feelings and 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 work towards self-awareness is if every other need below that is met and if you're in a population of people who typically don't have those needs met, then of course you don't have the time to sit by yourself alone with your thoughts and figure out how to be a better creative person. I also want to... So interesting. Yeah. There's also something that is interesting interesting to me about how sort of culturally pervasive when women are like, I just need some me time, that it's sometimes sort of this, there's this cultural framing that it's sort of this selfish thing where like a dude chilling out, it's like, if a guy's like, I just need me time and my wife kept bothering me, like blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the man cave. Man cave. Like, that's like a fun, like acceptable thing for dudes where I feel like for women, whenever they're like, I just need me time, it's always sort of trivialized. Like there's this sense like, oh, they're like, at a spa day, like doing their hair, that it's like some shallow thing mm-hmm. for a woman who's like, me time. Yeah, not not serious, like watching the NFL draft, which is a thing that adult men get very excited about. But that's an about. essential thing. Like, can you believe that she bothered me during me time? Yeah. That's like a essential. Yeah. For a man going into the woods is like a soul quest. And it's like, yeah. he needs to do that. That's what his inner animal is always begging for. But for a woman, like when I did Outward Bound, everybody was like, why are you doing that? And, it, <laughs> and, and you were so, they're like, wait, what? There's no, like, you have to, you know, pitch your own tarp. <laughs> um, but it's interesting, Karen, because when I was a kid, I, 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 Friends of mine could afford to go on Outward Bound, and I was always jealous because they would come back, like, so sparkly and just felt like they'd seen God. And I always wanted that, and I held it in the back of my head. So it was a mm. real coup when I got to go myself, right? you know, and you're absolutely right. Like, I got to, you know what I mean? I was so lucky. I always joke about this to you, but I do believe it. It's like remembering that, like, from when I've been broke, it's like, I, like, I think I've had a lot of time alone. And then it's like, if I was very sad or very depressed, it's like eventually getting to a place, like you can do the work of what you're talking about with Outward Bound literally anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. Like time and place really are constructs. Like you, you can't, I mean, and that's, I know you always think I'm crazy when I I say that. I really want to make a shirt of all the things you've declared a construct. I mean, they are, because they are. (laughs) It's literally like, it's literally like they are. Because it's, because I think it's like, I am a person, I think about it and it's like, oh, I'm a person who's been nominated for an Emmy and then I'm a person who's been on unemployment. That's the same person. Mm -hmm. That's the same person. Mm -hmm. You are the same. Um, Maybe the, the values and the things around you change but like you fundamentally are exactly the same and your worth is the same and your value is the same. Mm -hmm. And so how can you get comfortable with yourself and living with yourself, no matter what an outside world is saying about you? Mm -hmm. Like the thing I find that's interesting about like this conversation, because we all need people and we all need to be a part of a community. And like there's these in the Netherlands, they do this communal living thing where it's like, They'll have like single moms with like, it's, it's, have it's you heard brilliant. about this? Spoke, yeah. Spoke living or something. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, they basically, it's, it's a wheel. Yeah. It's essentially like a commune. So if you're a grandma or you're a single mom with two kids or whatever, everyone lives in apartments, but they all eat 
Mm. Like, so you only cook once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's somebody to like kind of babysit your kids, whatever. Oh, it's like a co-op. They yeah. Have, there's a, there was a big one uh, like that near where I lived in Chicago. That was like this, this high rise co-op where you, your rent was not very high, but part of your deal of living there was you had to help, help out, help, yep, help provide maintenance. And, but it's it, uh, this one, this one single mom was talking about, she was like, I have like four extra hours a day from this community living. Mm Because if you don't have to like do your grocery shopping Mm -hmm. every day and do the cooking and do the cleaning and do, you know. I think it's like life is like a war of attrition. Yes. Where it's just every morning your child still wants to eat breakfast. And you're like, I just gave you breakfast yesterday. (laughs) But Um, yeah. I feel that way with feeding me. I'm like, I had breakfast yesterday. (laughs) But that becomes less of a task But not everybody wants to share. Like I... Not everyone wants breakfast. But but, I mean, I was at a party. This is such a prime example. I was very high and I was very cozy at a party and I was like in a blanket and my friend next to me was eating a warm chocolate chip cookie. And I just decided I'd try this on her and I said to her, friends share. (laughs) (laughs) And she looked at me and went, oh my God, wait, wait, you have to have the perfect bite. And she took the whipped cream and put it on the chocolate chip cookie and handed me the perfect bite. And I was like, I love her. She's ha- very happily married to gorgeous, yummy children. So to the right of me was my other friend, my neighbor, who's always like, I want to be in a relationship. And she was eating a cookie. So I was like, well, it worked so great the first time. So I turned to her and I go, friends share. <laughs> and she looked at me and she goes, get your own. <laughs> and I was like, that. Like you say you want to be in a relationship, but that, mm-hmm. that's the thing. You don't. You don't really want because that's sharing. That's like sharing all your shit. And that is you don't like, really want to share your shit. It's like the American political argument boiled down into a <laughs> you being high at a party and asking people for cookies. I am a libertarian. A, yeah, enough. there are people you were arguing with a libertarian and a socialist, and uh, the socialist was like, "Here's your free Medicare for all and some whipped cream on top." Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about deep, like deep thinking too, because it's like when I think about the polarization in our political climate currently. I I really wonder if that's related to the level of distractibility and the fact that we're all we all consume media within our own bubbles and how many how many people are like sitting down and being like I like this and I like this but I actually don't like that I don't like what this person who's a liberal said and I actually think that this idea that mm-hmm. this guy has is like a really good idea you know so you don't boil it down to like the binary you are actually like stepping outside and like not being afraid to have an opinion and that's where that's also where um that's also where conversation is going to come from and progress will come from. Mm-hmm. I think the tribalism, political tribalism is based on like human protective instinct where it's right, like the tribalism. most miserable summer of my life was after freshman year of college and I was living, you know, in an apartment with strangers and I was working in a lab, like a science lab. So it's very cold and lonely if you've ever done that. <laughs> and I didn't know anyone in that city. And it was just like, I fell into like such a profound depression that I had to go home. And like, I think everything I do is like trying to avoid going back to that place. And so I think that's sort of a a side example to be like, politically, I think people like feeling like they're part of a group. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not like you're sitting down and being like, I like what Rush Limbaugh says about that, but I like what John Oliver says about that. Mm -hmm. Like, people are like, we, my Trump supporting people, we believe this. My liberal people, I'm like, I will never, I won't just instinctually want to like tweet something out that like all my 
like woke friends would be like, that's mm-hmm. a bad take. Like mm, you want yeah. to be accepted by your tribe and your yeah. community. But like at the same time, you know, I'm Jewish, but I don't align with like neo-Zionists, you know, For sure. on everything. And so like, and I always want to be like, yeah, you were Jews because right now everybody hates us. <laughs> And trying to kill us. So, I think you guys are great. Um, thank you thank so you. much. Big but, fans. Big but fans I have here. to find my Jews who are like, you know, my woke Jews. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> it. I think you can find a sub-community of Jews who are like, but that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, but we want to just live our lives. I mean, I think that brings us kind of full circle here when we talk about the tension between people being alone more than ever and also seeking out community because it's something that we also need. We we need both things. And I think as people are maybe spending more time alone in ways that aren't healthy ways to spend time alone, they're seeking out community in ways that aren't healthy ways to seek out community, which brings us to kind of where we are now, where people aren't really getting either world of what they need. They're not getting a good community and they're not getting good alone time. And that is all the time we have to talk about being alone together. <laughs> being alone together. <laughs> this has been very therapeutic. It's been really fun. Uh, we have to take a break, but when we come back, the hills will die on this week. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, Sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com. And this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher. And you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the Friend of the Pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com store to shop. Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious, he'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy Rails tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. Okay, we're back. The show is almost done, but it's not quite done. We're at the part where we take adamant stances on things that don't really matter. The hills will die on. Let's get started with a listener hill. Hello, my name is Rachel. The hill I will die on is that no one should say bless you after a sneeze. There are no other bodily functions in which we must bless spirits from our bodies. Burps are not blessed. Farts are not blessed. And these are basically the same function from our body, just coming from different ends. No one should say bless you after a sneeze. It's just a bodily function. The person sneezing should say excuse me 
<laughs> wow. Okay. So from now on, whenever whenever anybody sneezes, I'm just going to say "fuck you." <laughs> I'm going to take the exact opposite approach and say that uh, every single bodily function should get a bless you. Okay. Yeah. So you fart, fart. You fart, and then you're like, "Bless you." I think it's sweet. <laughs> yeah. I like I like when you're in a public space and a stranger sneezes, and you say "bless you," and then you have that that moment of connection. Actually, for Orthodox. Or, or in orthodoxy, or maybe I'm not sure what sect, but um, there is a blessing for like taking a morning crap. Huh? Yeah, really? Because yes. you're just like, thank you so much for this. This is like, interesting. One everything's day, working. Everything's working, and one day, you know, it won't, and you'll you'll really feel it, and then seems you'll curse. Like, it seems like the Catholics should have a patron saint of that too. Of shitting. It seems like there would be a shit saint, but <laughs> there's probably a saint who shit themselves to death. Oh, I'm sure. They've they've died in <laughs> all the possible ways. Yeah. The Saint Sebastian with the arrows. They've all died in a bunch of ways. Because it's in Catholicism, they have like different people you can pray to. <laughs> yeah, Saint Flurry. Larry. Yeah, Saint like Larry, Pokemon. the shitting saint. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's almost like Hinduism. There's, There's so many. Yeah, they're like gods and goddesses. Yeah. they're just sort of like God's secretaries in different departments. <laughs> like you're like, okay, hey, listen, Saint Jude. Uh, I yeah, need... that's like Hinduism. That's wild. That's yeah. really similar. Yeah. I should know that. Except ours, like, they don't look as cool. They're all just people. You know, they don't have, like, cool different color skin or, like, animal forms. Like, they're not as artistically interesting to look at. Anyway. Um, well, I'll get started with the hill that I'll die on this week because it's it's real stupid. Um I've thought this for a long time, but I, I like to cook for myself. And when I go to the grocery store and buy herbs... I need there to be less of them available mm. to me. I need to That's be able to point. buy one bay leaf. Mm-hmm. I don't need mm-hmm. 15. Yes. I'm not going to ever get through these 15 bay leaves. Ugh. I need just, I just need the one. Gosh, I'll pay a, a dollar. This was the hill I didn't know I needed. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll pay a dollar. I will way overpay for the ability to not waste eight bay leaves. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't need eight bay leaves for $1.99. I will take one for a dollar. Mm-hmm. Honest to God. So that's that's a hill I'll die on. That's this a week. good hill. Good hill. Thank you. It's uh, a real racket, that hill. It is It is a racket. Yeah. It goes in the racket category with the uh, eyeglass places. Mm-hmm. And Maybe with you... the hot dogs come in six, but buns come in eight. Yeah, another racket. <laughs> I wrote a song oh. about that. I you did? did? When I was a child. You're a I'm smart not child. That. I'm not singing that. Uh-huh. What not don't you that. do? <laughs> <laughs> She's it a was, multi-hyphenate. It was, it was not a good song. <laughs> I'd, I'll be the judge of that. Uh, Kieran, do you want to go next? Uh, I don't like when strangers contact you before, I think, 10 o'clock a.m. Mm-hmm. I think it's absolutely rude. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I actually, I find it aggressive and rude, and I hate you. So in, in what context? In any context. So if I've given my number to somebody who, like, a, like I, I told you this, I just got on the internet for dating, and it was like the number of people who the have... The internet for dating. The, yeah, it's the internet is a thing. Do you have you heard of the internet? <laughs> there's is, one just for dating. I just joined it recently. <laughs> internet. I, yeah, I joined it like two weeks ago, and I'm already done. This is, but this, <laughs> but people, I can't even believe that people will text you at eight in the morning, seven in the morning, 10 in the morning. Who are you? Stop mm-hmm. it. It's t- I don't know you. You are a stranger. You are a stranger who could murder me. There's like stranger hours. Is there an end time that they can text you? Depends on the reason. Uh-huh. Yeah, I feel like it's. I feel like what's appropriate is probably like I don't know, ten to seven, ten to eight, ten to nine, maybe. Okay. 
you know, I don't, but I don't, I just think business Do you have hours. weekend, you have weekend hours? I don't have, I don't like, I don't, I don't want to be, I, maybe I just want to be <laughs> I'm alone. Just impressed. I'm just I'm impressed you lasted two weeks on the I, yeah, I don't, dating. I just, I, I don't think I want, I don't think I want to be contacted. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I want to be contacted. Um, all right. That's fair. She doesn't want to share her cookie. Nobody, no, nobody no. texts Karen before 10 if you don't already know Karen. Yeah. And even <laughs> if you do, maybe try not to, you know, okay. you don't know my life. You don't know my schedule. I'm You're not, looking right at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm up, and I do text you sometimes. I just don't know what time. No, I'm up. I'm up really late. I'm up really late. So mm-hmm. it's like hard for me to, it's just hard for me to be awake, man. Okay. Fair enough. All right, Dana. Um, my hill is very specific and it's in relation to this weekend, which is the big end game, Game of Thrones weekend, mm-hmm. which is you're not allowed to complain. Like you have to know what a spoiler is if you're going to complain about spoilers because people <laughs> love people are, love getting mad and being like, that's a spoiler. And it's like, no, I, I had a, it's because I had a tweet where I was like, Thanos wears a T-shirt and it made me laugh. Like, I thought it was funny that, like, the space villain Thanos showed up in a T-shirt. <laughs> That's not a spoiler. That doesn't spoil anything. And I tweeted it, like, Monday. I think, one, if you're going to complain about spoilers because you want everything to go in fresh, you have to commit to seeing it opening weekend as soon as you can. Mm-hmm. Two. Or don't read the Internet. Yeah. yeah or just internet. don't be on Twitter where people are making Go to jokes. the Internet of dating. Yeah. <laughs> they're not going to spoil it for you. But two. What if, what if their user picture is Thanos in a T-shirt? <laughs> Literally go find a hill, like a literal hill, go hiking on the hill, turn off your cell phone. Yeah. yeah. And jump the, off the hill. But the, <laughs> that's just to say the real hill is that if you're going to that's not as people need to complain about real spoilers, which is like, I know you're going to go see a thing. So I'm just going to look you in the eye and tell you what the ending is to like tell me aggressively no, do that. But like making a joke about like a character's outfit or like a thing that happens or a line is not a spoiler. Mm-hmm. And Complaining about it and pretending those are spoilers weakens the spoiler meaning. Yeah. I also think there's a statute of limitations for spoilers. Yeah. I think it's like the 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 day, the 24 hours after a TV show co- comes out is the halo of spoilers. And then like a week after a movie opens. Otherwise, it's kind of on you. Like this week in, at work, we were watching, we we're talking about old movies, watching old movies. And it has been an overarching joke over and over again. It's like, oh, yeah, the Maltese Falcon. Hey. Spoilers, Aaron. <laughs> Spoilers. And there's there's a time limit too. I think. Yeah, which for a lot of people sure. don't. You know, it's like I remember um, somebody hadn't seen I don't know, like a Quiet Place or something, and and someone's like, "Don't spoil it." It's like you haven't seen it before. Now I'm I'm not gonna not. Talk about it. You know what? Counterpoint. I think that spoilers are actually about intention, which is me making like a joke on Twitter that like isn't directly about the ending a week after a movie isn't really a spoiler. But if you were like, I've never seen The Sixth Sense. I'm seeing it tomorrow for the first time. And I'm like, guess what? Blah, 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 blah. That's a dick move. And that's a spoiler because it's I like targeted. I got for the Star, the, the Star Wars where, you know, Han Solo does a thing. And uh, it was like uh, the movie had been out like three days and somebody sent that as a reply to one of my political. That's a, that's a dick. Th- See, yeah. that's an aggressive. That's like. And it, I went and saw it and I was like, oh, thank you. That's more about like intention, I think, where it's mm-hmm. like a spoiler is like that dick move. But what about impact? Yeah. What about <laughs> impact, Dana? Well, that is mm-hmm. it's impact, too. Yeah. yeah, it's a combination of the two things. All right. Uh, Michaela. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, maybe this was already said on this show. I have no idea because it's pretty 
it's pretty obvious. But like <laughs> my whole family came to visit and they love hiking and we go hiking and inevitably we'd be on these beautiful trails, you know, in California, all the wildflowers and coming the other way would be some guy with his cell phone playing some shit ass song. <sighs> like they needed a soundtrack. They needed like, it's just so rude and it's so stupid and talk about not being able to be alone with your thoughts like you have to play in nature a way like where people are trying to hear birds and get away from everything you have to walk playing you know T-Pain. hair dance <laughs> and you don't have headphones like you yeah, don't headphones. even have, get headphones, headphones yeah. you know headphones. you don't need like your one man fucking coachella walking through the hills okay <laughs> we're it's just I mean, luckily, it's people we were passing and not people who are hiking near us. Or, or it's like at a us. beach, if you're sitting on the mm. beach next to somebody oh, yeah. who's playing. I mean, I think yeah. in general, I went to a Korean spa and this woman like was watching a TV show on her cell phone <laughs> in there. And I was like, are you kidding me? And I finally was like, I can sit here and just get my, you know, ovaries in a tangle or I can walk over there and be like, hey, do you mind putting on headphones? And she looked up at me dead eyed and she goes... Everybody here is talking. And I'm like, if you don't know the fucking difference between two people, two friends or a mother and daughter talking to each other in a hot tub or you watching whatever the shit ass shit you're watching, um, <laughs> then, 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 then I'm, then go in the sauna and never come out. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a Korean shit ass shit. I, shit, shit ass shit. shit That's ass the shit. name of this episode. It is not the name of this episode. <laughs> I will not. Shit ass shit. We demand it. We demand it. There's a, yeah, it's, it's like everybody, when somebody decides that everybody needs to listen to what they're listening to, it's, it's mm-hmm. extremely insulting. Mm-hmm. Although I was going to say the Korean spot that I used to go to in the sauna had a TV and it was always playing like just game shows that I could not follow. <laughs> oh, that, that, that is fun. amazing. Yeah, it was like... I'm pro that. It was like whatever came before The Masked Singer, like the <laughs> the Korean version of The Masked Singer mm-hmm. where they would like, there'd be somebody singing and it would sound really great but they'd be in a full animal costume <laughs> and then they would take the head off and the crowd would lose their shit but it would be a celebrity who would, I'd never seen before but it was very What you're well talking known. about is fun, Aaron. Oh, it was, yeah. I, I appreciate that. I was delightful. I appreciate and then that. they would pelt them with sardines. <laughs> yeah, or whatever. And then everybody would be grimacing. And I was and like, go. I don't know. But it's a, I don't know what's happening on this TV. <laughs> sub, sub hill with that mm-hmm. is so the good. motorcycles that are so loud that you yeah. know they had to make them loud specifically. Yeah. Uh-huh. The muffler revving. And- yeah. I don't need to hear that. I'm, yeah. I'm just living my life. I'm on it's the phone with my mom. Pretty good South Park episode about exactly that. But it it might make some departures from your viewpoints beyond that. And it's like motorcycles are bad. And yeah, it's it's good. The episode. I know. I'm just revealing that I don't I don't watch South Park. I'm a, I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, OK, those are the hills that we're going to die on this week. Um, Karen, Michaela and Dana, thank you so much for coming by. Thanks to Alyssa Mastermonico for calling in. If you like what you heard this week, please rate and review us on iTunes and tell your friends and there'll be more hysteria next week. Get your gun. Get-